0: Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Everyday Disciples. I'm Pastor Matthew, and today we're looking at some timely topics for this week. We're in the week leading up to Halloween and the Reformation, so we're tackling some related topics to that. In our first segment, I sit down with Adam Vanderstelt, and we talk about Christians celebrating Halloween. It can be a bit of a struggle for many Christians at this time of year. Is it, is it right or is it okay to celebrate the holiday that seems so dark? So we explore that a little bit. And in the second segment, I sit down with Pastor Rob Appold to talk about ghost stories. As pastors, we get asked about that a little more often than you'd think. And so we look at some of what the Bible says about it, and we look at a ghost story from the Bible that you might not even know is there in 1 Samuel. And finally, Adam and I take a look at a classic song that's going to be sung in a lot of churches this weekend, A Mighty Fortress. We see the message behind that classic song there. Cue the spooky music and let's dive in. Well, welcome once again. I'm sitting here with Adam Vanderstelt. And uh, today, you know, this this being the week leading up to Halloween, I uh, thought it'd be a good idea to kind of tackle a, a question that comes up in the hearts and the minds of a lot of Christians uh, around this time of year is, is it okay, is it is it right for Christians to celebrate Halloween? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you, Adam, but um, every once in a while I encounter that from from Christians. I see that online in lots of different places, of of Christians saying that it's wrong, right, for us to celebrate Halloween.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, have you encountered that before?
1: Uh, so I do remember um, that actually being a, k- a kind of a thing. So I grew up in the like mid '90s, early 2000s. This was around like the same time where like. Um, like games like Dungeons and Dragons and Magic cards were getting kind of like attention by the Christian community. Like, are these things evil? And I think like Halloween kind of got wrapped into that. That was even around the time of
0: like Harry Potter too, right? well the, the what, yeah, yeah. was Harry Potter kind later of later 2000s I think yeah, yeah somewhere around there because I remember a lot of the conversation of like witchcraft and stuff mm-hmm. associated with that and Christians shouldn't read that either which I now i I'm just not a big fiction fan I haven't read Harry Potter but um I, I do know like it has an awful lot of Christian undertones in there of those themes of redemption and sacrifice and all that stuff um so yeah that's a whole that's a whole nother podcast we could get into <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it you know it seems like one of those things t- to me at least. Now, now this this wasn't the case in my family. Um, we never really talked about like the whether it was right or wrong to mm-hmm. celebrate Halloween. Um, you know, my family didn't make a, a huge deal about it. But uh, I think for for a lot of Christians, it almost sort of feels like if they're going to celebrate it, they kind of have to celebrate it. Um, you know like in a in a restrained way because we don't want to we don't want to give the impression that we're just like all in on this thing right i I think i don't know i I think for some folks it it feels like it's a celebration of satan of the occult um i think there's there's ideas that it comes from kind of a pagan background and so it's a pagan thing Hmm. it's not a christian thing so Hmm. should we do it or not And uh, you know, do do you think is that kind of what you've seen too from people when they've, Mm. uh huh, yeah, for sure, railed against it. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, so it falls around uh, Reformation Day. So I think just a you know a short answer solution is just dress like Martin Luther.
0: Yep. Right. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, and for for a lot of people, I think in the church it feels like well, you know, we should we should really focus on Reformation Mm. Day and Halloween's kind of like the um you know the afterthought holiday that got thrown in there but but did you know that that that's actually backwards no i didn't know this tell me this yeah so um doing a little bit of just i didn't do a a real deep dive into this but just sort of looking a little bit at the history of halloween um well maybe let's first just talk about reformation for a second uh which is coming up on sunday that uh that was when martin luther nailed the 95 theses to the church door right Uh, he did that on all hallows eve Okay. Now, hallows is kind of an old way of saying like saints. Uh oh. saints in the broad sense of like those who have died in the faith, not the people that we necessarily venerate okay. um, like the Catholic Church does, but mm. just our our forefathers who have died in the faith, that cloud of witnesses that the book of Hebrews talks about and it's a day when we remember that, mm. when we remember those who have died in the faith. We still celebrate All Saints Day, November 1st, uh, in the church every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually we recognize it the first uh, Sunday in November. And so he chose the night before that to nail that to the door. Mm. And I think that he did that on purpose uh, because it, that All Saints Day, it's a day of remembering that that even though we're, we're remembering these loved ones who have died in the faith, we remember that death is defeated. Mm, We remember that darkness is over. Uh, It has been defeated by Jesus' uh, rise from the grave. And so he chose that day to nail those 95 theses to the door as a way of, of saying, like, we're not done cleaning up this darkness yet. Mm. There's darkness now that's crept into the church mm-hmm. in the form of of these abuses that have gone wrong. Mm. Uh, so let's let let's talk about these, which is what he was he was doing. He was inviting a conversation, mm. and uh, and and let's let's remember that the the work that we have to do now because of Jesus' resurrection isn't done. Like mm. we, we keep pushing back that darkness because it's defeated. Mm. Which I thought was just really powerful that he chose that day. It wasn't just he happened to do it on the thirty first of October. Wasn't a coincidence. That was an, okay. that was an intentional choice to uh-huh. do it that day. Hmm. And and that you know, like 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 Christmas Eve is a uh, a celebration in and of itself, kind of apart from Christmas Day. The Eve before a holiday, like a holy day, is an important day too. Mm-hmm. You know, we like to celebrate. Um, before those things get here. Mm. And now in modern days, it's certainly morphed into the, you know, we dress up in all sorts of costumes and go around trick-or-treating. Um, mm. But I think there's there's still vestiges of that uh, that triumph over evil that show up. Because you think of classic Halloween costumes, what do you think of?
1: Uh, I always had to dress as a pirate. I think it was the only <laughs> one we had. Or a ghost. Um a skeleton, those kind of
0: things? Uh-huh. Yeah. Ghosts, skeletons, I, pirates certainly probably rank up there, uh, <laughs> maybe may, may, may more in the, the modern age. Um, devils, mm-hmm. witches, um, you know, those sorts of things I think are, are common, things that remind us of death, mm-hmm. things that remind us of that evil stuff. And I, I think it's important to recognize that Halloween actually, you know, originating as a Christian holiday, uh, marking that... That triumph over death, over evil, um, when we when kids are dressing up like a little devil with the pitchfork and and the the red horns, which is not what the devil looks like, um, it, it's it's not a way of celebrating him. It's a way of poking fun at him. Mm. Right?
1: yeah death De- is defeated yeah.
0: yeah yeah you're 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 so uh, defeated by Jesus that we're gonna dress up our, our little little kid little Johnny and send him around to collect candy mm-hmm. looking like like you mm. kind of thing it's, it's a way of kind of <laughs> okay. you know thumbing our nose at Satan and huh? saying no oh, you're you're defeated here yeah. this is this is this is a, a joke now mm. um, we dress the little kids up like that and we think they're cute <laughs> And And so I think it's it, it's good for us to to remember where these things came from. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, now, certainly, uh, our culture wants to take things to extremes. and I think that um you know sometimes Halloween can be a night for for violence, for mischief for for those sorts of things. and we don't want to we don't want to encourage that or celebrate that. but you know, can a Christian celebrate Halloween with a clear conscience? I think so. Okay.
1: I, I looked up the history of... Um, it sounds like you did some homework on Halloween. I, I just wanted to know about trick-or-treating, mostly because oh, I, yeah. mi- I missed out on a lot of trick-or-treating as a kid. Um, and the the idea of... The roots of trick-or-treating can actually be um, traced back to about the same time, um, and it was for um, people who were uh, poor, and they would go around um, to different homes and offer prayers in exchange for food and beer. Wow. Yeah, so I had not. Heard I thought that, that might be a cool thing that you and I could do. Maybe just go there knock go. on doors and see if we can get some treats, right, for prayer.
0: <laughs> but that's uh, that's what I learned. So. Pray yeah. for you for a beer. That's a, that's a new one. I have not encountered that before. So yeah, that's a. It's neat worth idea. a try. Could, yeah, could could be a, a great ministry opportunity there. <laughs> We gotta be careful. If you get a lot of uh, requests for prayers, you you might need some help getting home. All right? But, uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Uh. I had come across uh, an article a long time ago too, that uh, you know was kind of making this argument, and I don't remember all the details of the of the article, uh, but I do remember kind of the way that they framed the ar- the the argument of why Christians should be able to celebrate Halloween with a clear conscience. Was they they made the argument that that Halloween has become more Christian than Christmas, hmm. and and I remember like that was even maybe the headline. I should have looked up the article, but um, I just have, have remembered it for so long. The, the argument that they made was that you know you think of Christmas time. Uh, what's what is the message that we always hear given to kids? It's the you, oh, uh, you got to be good, right? You got to be good, or Santa's not going to bring you any presents. Right, that's the the message that, that kids hear oftentimes at Christmas. Mm. Um, you know, how's this the song go? You, you better watch out. You better, better not, not cry. cry. Better not pout. I'm telling you why mm-hmm. Santa's coming,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, you know, making that list and checking it twice. Yeah. And what's the message that we tell kids, or that that kids like receive at Halloween, right? It's mm. it's no matter how much of a monster you are all the kids get candy. That sounds like grace. Right. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. It's it it's it's grace to to all the little monsters out there. That, that come to the door, they get candy and mm. but only the good kids get Christmas presents mm. And so I'm like, yeah that that just really resonated with me that yeah, it's it's a great way to talk about grace no matter how scary of a, a creature we mm. are, no matter how how much of a monster we are. Mm. Uh, God's got grace for us. yeah and that grace never runs out. and it's I not like dependent that. on whether we're good enough mm. or whether we deserve it like we often hear at Christmas time. And we were saying too, just uh, just before we, we started recording here that you know Christmas in, in, in many ways, um, it's a it's a what pursuit of, of all the stuff, right? It's a mm. pursuit of presents and things like that. And even even it, it can be, in the minds of, of well-intentioned Christians, it can be a pursuit of like,, um, Oh, nostalgia! Right, mm. trying to recapture that feeling we had as a child mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of the wonder of Christmas and the the magic we felt as a child. And when you know that's not really what Christmas is about either. Christmas is about Jesus. It's about His coming to Earth for us. Yeah, and uh, and so we can take a, a holiday like Christmas that no Christian has any qualms about celebrating. And we can we can turn that into something that's very much not what it's supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. So I think it's something that, as we talk about Christmas, we kind of wrap this up here or Halloween. That um, you know, I, if if it's something that's really heavy on your conscience, that it feels like this is a, a bad thing for you as a Christian to celebrate, then don't. Mm. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. Um, but if you if it's something that you feel like you you can celebrate that you you want to be a part of i think we can do that with a clear conscience we don't have to feel like we're engaging in some sort of pagan activity we just use it as an opportunity to remember what jesus did mm. that mm. that he conquered all those little de- devils and demons we're going to see out there and and that this is just an opportunity to to poke fun at the devil and remember that jesus won yeah yes i like that i got to ask, Pastor Matthew,
1: what's your favorite Halloween candy?
0: Oh, favorite Halloween candy. Gosh.
1: i put you on the spot. Mine is good and plenty. I know that's a terrible candy. Good and plenty. I, oh I just my love
0: goodness. them. I just love them, though. Those, are those the licorice ones? They're the black licorice ones. Oh, my gosh. Mm, oh, delicious. No, mm. Black licorice is, like, gross. No. Um, Disagree. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would have to go with, like, uh, Reese's. Peanut butter, ah. peanut butter cups I'm, I'm a big chocolate peanut butter fan okay um or like chocolate and caramel anything like twix Any, or ooh, anything twix. like that i like those
1: okay but really
0: there's there's not a whole lot of halloween candy that i'll turn down all right equal opportunist yep <laughs> very good <laughs> all right well you can have all the good and plenty i'll, I'll take the reese's so. all right <laughs> all right well good talking with you adam yep. and uh yeah look forward to celebrating halloween this weekend Well, I'm sitting here with Pastor Rob and uh, ready to do another deep dive. And you know, we figured because this is the week leading up to Halloween, um, one of the the things that might be kind of on people's mind is the this whole like uh, realm of like ghost stories and things like that. And uh, Pastor Rob, I, don't, I I don't know about you, but I've been asked a number of times as a pastor by folks about Ghost story type things, uh, people who have experienced things uh, in their homes, in their lives, they, you know, talk about like, uh, I've I've got a ghost in my house or my 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 great 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 grandmother visits me in my home or something like that. Um, and and have you been asked those sorts of questions oh, yeah. before?
2: Uh, absolutely, people. More, uh, I would have to say curiosity. I don't remember anybody thinking they had a ghost in their own home. Um, but we do have a member of our church from Horicon, Wisconsin, which has a famous—I believe it's a supposedly a haunted—is it a Lutheran church even? But there oh. was a quite a quite a deal on Horicon, Wisconsin, um, spooked. I'd have to look it up now that. Oh, I no, I've never that. heard of
0: that. I, I know here in uh, here in Ada where we are, there's there's talk of the the Ada witch.
2: Oh yeah, um, mm-hmm.
0: in the Ada cemetery here, I, I just recently in, encountered that online. Somebody mentioning that. Um, so I, I don't know much about that one. I'll have to look that one up. But,
2: but certainly fascination with it, yeah. curiosity about it, can get into fearfulness and. Unfortunately it can lead in some cases you know it breaks through that firewall where it just becomes an obsession sure mm-hmm. yeah
0: um and an unhealthy obsession, absolutely yeah uh, that, mm-hmm. that folks have and so I thought like from from a biblical perspective how, how do we how do we think about these sorts of things when when whether it's curiosities or the stuff that goes bump in the night um, from a biblical perspective what what's going on there yeah
2: yeah great questions and uh one of the things that is a bit of a mystery so uh, you know as you talked about you told me we were going to be speaking a little bit i just did look up you know has what are there ghosts in the bible and the only reference would be Jesus walking on the water, both in Matthew, I believe it's 14 and Mark seven, the disciples say he's a ghost mm, yep. and, um, now he gets in the boat. He doesn't say dudes, there is no such thing as ghosts, nor does he say, uh, <laughs> don't, uh, he just says,
0: he doesn't correct them. Yeah, yeah.
2: He just says, I am and, um, waves be- uh, and calms the storm or, or brings peace. Uh, climbs in the boat with them. So that,
0: that's interesting because I don't think I've I don't think I've heard anybody really um, kind of press into that aspect of it. You know, usually it's that we move so fast from from them thinking that it's a ghost to oh nope, it's really just Jesus, and we don't really think about well, why did they think it was a ghost? Mm-hmm. And I mean that that clearly it's like that was part of what they believed about the universe that there's there is a spiritual realm absolutely us. A,
2: yeah, and. The word phantiz, phantasma is where we get phantom from, um, but, and that's the only two places that word is used, but if you know in Mark 5, I don't think there's an equivalent, Is it's the demoniac that oh, lives yep. in the tombs, yep. and that was certainly a realm of the dead, this disembodied spirit that's still alive roaming around on, you know, or... Making contact with living the living world. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there is the spiritual world, and there is the physical world. And from a biblical point of view, there is a divide between
0: the two. Um, yeah, my my uh, kind of I don't know if I even call it wisdom, but just sort of like response to folks when they when they talk about like because uh, I've I've had a couple couple families mention. That they think they've got a loved one who's passed on who visits them, mm-hmm. sort of a thing, and you know my response to that is to usually go to to Jesus' story in the Gospel of Luke, of the rich man and Lazarus, okay, passing away, and you know just as a quick summary, you know the rich man Lazarus they die, they both kind of go off to their respective destinations. The rich man, uh, you know, basically goes to like hell, as we would say it and is in torment there and wants like send somebody back to warn my family about yeah. this. And and Abraham who's who's with Lazarus on the other side of this divide says no. You know, there's there, that's not that's not possible. Um, you know, so it's is it a loved one that's there? My thought, my reaction I think in from scripture is no. Uh, I, I don't think we have any word of of God that promises us that our loved ones can can interact with us once they have passed away they're with Jesus um, absolutely and and, and and they wouldn't they wouldn't necessarily want to come back either they're with Jesus why what better place to be right um, we'll be there soon enough and they don't need to come back here to visit us
2: thanks and i i wanted to make clear that we do mention what scripture definitely says because we're entering into a area that's yeah it's a little mysterious Mm -hmm. i mean we don't know some of this stuff scripture definitely tells us that after death you know the 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 body goes to the grave and the soul returns to the lord who made it Mm -hmm. um that part we know uh the whole grandma's in heaven looking down that would be non-biblical i mean i know it's a source of comfort for a lot of people uh but that would
0: not be biblical even it's it's maybe unrelated to the ghosts side of things but like i hear people talk about it's kind of a common cultural thing of like when a cardinal shows up it's a loved one yeah you know and and that's that's not it. Either. You know, it, it's just a bird. Yep. It's just a bird that's there to visit you. If it reminds you of your loved one, great. Right. If that brings comfort, great. But it's not. Our, our trust isn't in the fact that that bird's out
2: there. Right. And thank you for bringing up the Lazarus and uh, the man. Uh,
0: does he even have a name? And he doesn't. And I think that's one of the most important parts of that story. Is right. this rich man is just called Son yeah. by Abraham, where the the poor guy is actually given a name. And the whole point of that,
2: and there's a little ambiguity in that: is this a real event or is this a parable? Mm-hmm. It's not called a parable, but it certainly reads like a parable. The whole point of that is, you have Moses and the prophets; you have the Word of God. That's your surety, not your feelings or your, you know, delving into, you know, spirit spirit matters yep. uh, on that. So, we're we're told our loved ones are in the hands of the Lord, and we're told scripturally, don't dive into that stuff. Right. And all the warnings to not go into that and not even follow that stuff. So while it's a matter of curiosity, I think we have to keep those, t- those uh, foundations in tandem.
0: And probably good, too, to, to think about, like, so it, it's not your loved one that's coming to visit you, but maybe it is still something Mm -hmm. and the the something that it could be is we know in that spiritual realm that's out there, there are fallen angels, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Satan and his minions that, uh, well, one, they've had all sorts of time to learn human behavior, to, to learn how to imitate people. Um, and so I think they could certainly pretend to be your loved one. And, you know, for the purpose of distracting us, of of pulling us away from what God would have us to be about and to to cause us to put our hope into something else that's not God. Um, you know, this, this hope of contacting our loved one again. And I, so I think that's where like, you know, in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, some of these prohibitions against contacting the dead. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's impossible to do. It's that it's it's looking to somebody other than God for for hope for trust for information whatever it is, and that's not where our hope should go. Yeah. Are you Lutheran or something? I mean, I
2: <laughs> I did look up what Martin Luther would have to say, and he oh, yeah? he believed there were ghosts, but he he believed they were apparitions of Satan. Oh. Yeah. That they were there to deceive or to pull people away mm. from from the truth and exactly what you said faith in Jesus Christ and his promises which is was kind of an interesting i you know i i just wondered what what would he have said sure.
0: and um, back believed. in a time where maybe people were a little more open to right. the spiritual and a little more aware of that where right. today it feels to most modern people like a superstition mm-hmm. to think about that stuff but you know bible is clear it's real and, and speaking of that, this may be a good segue into, I wanted to just kind of touch on one kind of Bible ghost story that folks might not be familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of buried deep in the Old Testament in the, the book of 1 Samuel in chapter 28. Where uh, Saul, uh, the the caption in most Bibles is Saul and the Witch of Endor, yeah, uh, which which sounds like a great science fiction movie, um, <laughs> or like another chapter for uh, Harry Potter or something, but uh, just sort of summary in this this story, uh, the prophet Samuel has died, and Saul is is looking for a word from God. He's he has like expelled all of the. The, the witches, all of the mediums and stuff out of the the, the country.
2: And uh, I, the Bible makes clear the necromancers, the, yeah. the those who and that means those who conjure up the dead. Yeah. Uh, so this was part of their culture. this was part of their uh, Isra- the Israelites were never supposed to delve into it, but that they were in the land that they were this was a known thing. Mm-hmm. And as you read the story, it really wasn't all that hard. Although he expelled them. it was pretty easy for uh, well, and, and Saul to find this person.
0: You know, in the in the Old Testament law in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, those people were supposed to be put to death. Exactly. And he does; he just goes halfway and just kicks them out. Right. Well, it comes time where he he's looking for this word from God. He wants to in, in, inquire of the prophet. There's no prophet now, and so he goes to find this necromancer, this medium, who can bring back. Samuel. And uh, so Saul, he disguises himself. He goes to this lady by night. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. Um, This is starting at verse 8 of chapter 28 of 1 Samuel. Um, So Saul disguised himself and he says, divine for me a spirit and bring up for me whomever I shall name for you. And the woman said, surely you know what Saul has done. So she doesn't know that this is Saul. How he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why are you laying this trap for me to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. The woman, I love that. <laughs> right. He invokes God. In his <laughs> right. <name. laughs> I'm about to do this thing that God has told us not to do explicitly, but yeah.
2: Yeah, Saul's um, an
0: interesting cat. Yeah. So the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, and the woman said to Saul, "Why have you deceived me? You are Saul So she recognizes now that you're the king. Yeah, I
2: wonder if the, even in the beginning she it was like some <laughs> cheesy uh, mask or whatever he had and uh-huh. she knew it was Saul all the time but the, keep, the, I don't the uh, eyeglasses with the nose yeah. and
0: the mustache. <laughs> um, and the king said, to her, do not be afraid, what do you see?" And the woman said to Saul, "I see a god coming up out of the earth." He said to she her, she says, "I see a god." That's how the ESV puts it. Oh, I see a God, interesting. a lowercase G, yeah. but a, mm-hmm. a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, "What is his appearance?" And she said, "An old man coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe." And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed his face to the ground and paid homage. And then it goes on. There's a, a message that that Samuel brings, but this is a you know a, a, kind of a puzzling story here. It kind of leaves us going, "What happened? What actually did happen here? Did did?" Samuel come back from the dead to speak to Saul is this a a spirit impersonating Saul right what, what have you thought about this before
2: well as I read that again I thought it was interesting Saul does not exactly see Samuel mm-hmm. he sees and I don't know if the witch you know took on a different you know transmorphed or whatever. Does she channel him or yeah, how did that work? But I think that whole like the Oracle of Delphi, you know, in Greek mythology or that was a real thing. But if she kind of channeled and became a different um, persona, um, but Saul certainly believes it to be Samuel or hearing from Samuel. And the robe, if again, the preceding thing is Samuel rips the robe from Saul, and this whole robe thing would be a trigger for for Samuel or for Saul to to recognize it. Samuel, but I do think Samuel speaks to Saul later, doesn't he? Does he speak to later yeah. on in the verses? Yep.
0: Yeah, just right after that, Samuel uh, says to Saul,
2: "Why did you Why did you
0: disturb me? me by bringing me up? Yeah, and, leave yeah. me
2: alone, basically. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Certainly, the Bible the Bible doesn't say that." give us any indication that it's not Samuel. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it presents it as Samuel. I think the fact that um, the woman really freaks out about this, mm-hmm. like it, it almost leads you to think that this doesn't normally happen. Um, you know, maybe she's a bit of a charlatan you know, most of the time, and now that actually somebody's coming back. Um, this was unexpected for her.
2: I read that as saying it's true, and it it did happen. But we're told you don't want to get into this stuff because you're conjuring up forces, powers uh, that you are beyond your yeah, pay grade.
0: The message that's that Samuel. Right gives is is not a hopeful message here. Oh yeah, it's doom. Um, this this is you know the your enemies are going to overtake you. Right, um, and and you'll be delivered into their hands, mm-hmm. and so it is a it's a message of judgment that he gets. Um, yeah, it, this is it's it, it is very much presented. And I think you know the the commentators are kind of split on it, but most modern commentators take this at its word that mm-hmm. this is Samuel that that God has allowed to come back to speak to Saul here, to bring this message of, of judgment. Um, so, it, you know, I just bring it up as it's one of those stories we don't get to very often. Maybe give it a read in your Bible. Um, maybe maybe if you've got like a study Bible or something, look look at the notes there. See what it says and, and um, you know, maybe think about this a little bit, but also not something that—take t- it as a lesson that it's not something that we want to get into on our Absolutely. own. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Uh, yeah, and the the other part I was going to say, it's, you know, sin always brings disorder and chaos. And I think mm. this is an example or another negative example of saying, you know, when we seek our own, you know, trying to get the future, and this is what Saul, he wants to know, is he going to win the battle? Well, that's not for you to know, Saul. Um, but he's going to go not in prayer to God— He's going to try to get an answer from below, from the dark power yep. of life, and the, I would say the yeah, the Bible tells us there is that realm and there is that world. It prohibits us from from falling for it or seeking it, um, and it does tell us to be wary of it. So, two things uh, that I would say um, it is a reality: the the dark world. And not for us to go into, but the other extreme would be, ah, it doesn't really exist. Just make fun sure. of it. And, yep. you know, in our modern, you know, scientific mindset, that's a bunch of hocus, hocus, hokey stuff.
0: Yep. So, so don't ignore it, but don't obsess over it right. either. Know that it's there, but, but know its place. Right. Know that that dark world is conquered by Jesus.
2: Absolutely. Well, we'll and, and is a present threat I mean Paul tells us mm-hmm. uh, our battles not against flesh and blood but against the principalities and powers and yep. whatever he else he mentions and I think that's Ephesians 6
0: yep. Yeah. Well, great. This is, I think this has been a good conversation and uh, certainly one that if you've got, as you're listening along, if you've got questions about this sort of stuff, uh, I know Pastor Rob and I are always happy to to talk about matters of faith and whatever they are. So be sure to hit us a message or, or uh, catch us at church and we'd be happy to talk about it. Thanks, Pastor Rob. Well, we're back again for another segment of Why We Sing What We Sing, sitting here with Adam Vanderstelt, our worship leader. And uh, this week, I thought, since Sunday is Reformation, what better song to talk about than the uh, the theme song of the Reformation, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Um, certainly, the uh, if, if you're Lutheran or any part of the uh, Reformed tradition in the broadest sense of all the churches that grew out of the Reformation, uh, you are probably familiar with this song, if mm-hmm. you grew up at church mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And um, thought this this might be a good one for us to look at today, because it's one that I think a lot of Christians know, um, but maybe not one that we've necessarily stopped to really think about um, what, what these lyrics are. Um Now, Adam, you were just, uh, before we we started recording here, you were just flipping through the Bible over there. Well, Um, I remembered
1: that um, I had read a a little piece of something about the history of this song and how Martin Luther had um, derived much of it from Psalm 46, which, of course, says uh, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam. Though the mountains tremble in its swelling, um, so God is our refuge and strength. And I think that was um,
0: the line that Luther started with um, when he wrote this song. Yeah, and you definitely hear that come through, that first phrase there. Now, now we were talking just the other day about this song, mm-hmm. um, that there's there are a number of different... Um, let's call them translations of this mm-hmm, song, mm-hmm. Uh, from the original German that Martin Luther wrote it in. Um, so there's some variation in the lyrics, uh, depending on what church you go to, even which hymnal you use. That's true. Um, and in the hymnal in front of me here, there, there's even a variation between two versions that are in this hymnal. Oh, That's right, um, yeah. So, so we're looking at the one that St. Matthew usually sings here, which, which begins with, A mighty fortress is our God, a sword and shield victorious. The older language, if you grew up with it, was a bulwark, never, never failing. failing. That's
1: the one I sang. Yeah, Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, the the other version in here has a a trusty shield and weapon. Mm -hmm. So all Mm -hmm. of those, you know, really getting at like God is God is our protector, God is our defender. Um, There, there is that immovableness to God. There, uh, Mm -hmm. nothing is going to knock Him down, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that that is always interesting to me about this song, so like as a as a traditional church musician um, and someone who puts those services together uh, regular has for for quite a while like one of the things that that people will do sometimes is you get these hymns now a mighty fortress isn't one of these hymns but you get these like 12 14 verse hymns <laughs> and you think okay well we got to we got to cut these down a little bit for time um, mm-hmm. don't want to don't want to wear anybody out singing these songs and so sometimes you just sing like a verse right. of a song mm-hmm. uh, or a couple of verses mm-hmm. And A Mighty Fortress is not one of those songs that you can do that with. Because, no. Because when you go through A Mighty Fortress, just if you just take verse 1, A mighty fortress is our God, a sword and shield victorious. He breaks the cruel oppressor's rod and wins salvation glorious. So, so the first couple phrases there, it's all about God. Mm-hmm. Then, then he shifts here. The old satanic foe has sworn to work us woe. So he's our enemy now. Mm-hmm. Uh, with craft and dreadful might, he arms himself to fight, and on earth he has no equal. Mm. So if you end if you only sing verse one, the devil wins <laughs> right I mean it's that's, that's, true, that's yeah. what it says. You know? yeah. um, so God's great and Satan's out to get us. Uh-huh. that's verse one uh-huh. Um, so it's like oh you, you can't just stop with verse one. you gotta you gotta do the whole thing no. right So yeah. verse two you know g- kind of builds off of that. So, mm-hmm. so no strength of ours can match his might talking about Satan no, mm-hmm. We would be lost and rejected but now. But now a champion comes to fight whom God mm. himself elected. Mm. You ask who this may be, the Lord of hosts is he. Christ Jesus, mighty Lord, God's only Son adored, he holds the field victorious mm. mm-hmm. And uh, so so right there you know it makes that great pivot to from we're in trouble to Jesus is Jesus here. is here. He's, He's our champion right yeah. And, and you get a little bit of that more still in, in verse 3 and 4, right? So mm-hmm. so we'll just, you know, this isn't a long hymn. We can read through these here. Yeah. So so the hordes of devils fill, fill the land, all threatening to devour us. So hordes of devils, man, maybe it's no coincidence that uh, Reformation is Halloween Day, you know, <laughs> the same day of hordes of devils here. Good, good reminder of the Reformation. Oh, okay, yeah. um, we tremble not. We're not afraid. Uh, we tremble not. Unmoved we stand. They cannot overpower us. Let the world's tyrant rage. In battle, we'll engage. His might is doomed to fail. God's judgment must prevail. One little word subdues him. Mm. And I love that that phrase there. And I don't, you know, I, 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 I took a little bit of German in high school. I don't have the German of this verse in front of me. So I would assume this is a pretty close translation of what Luther had. And, and I just love that phrase of one little word. Yeah. And, you know, in John 1, in the beginning was... The, the Word. word. Um, you know, that that one little word mm-hmm. is Jesus, mm-hmm. um, and he, he is the one who subdues him. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the word of his victory, the word of his resurrection. And so maybe we'll just finish it out with that final verse there.
1: Yeah. God's Word forever shall abide. No thanks to foes who fear it. For God himself fights by our side with weapons of the Spirit— were they to take our house, goods, honor, child, or spouse, though life be wrenched away, they cannot win the day.
0: The kingdom's ours forever. Wow! Right? Just like man, it's it's no wonder this is one of those enduring hymns. Yeah, uh, that's really stuck around with us. Um, I mean, for one, it's it's a you know memorable and very singable melody. Um, but also just words that are so powerful, something that we need to remember all the time. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, for those of you who are, are going to be around St. Matthew this weekend, uh, especially the traditional service where we'll, where we'll be singing this hymn, um, or you, you hear it uh, uh, out and about in the, the, the weekend of Reformation here, um, really think about these words. Think mm-hmm. about those words of Psalm 46, uh, God is our refuge and strength, And, uh, man, let that truth comfort you uh, this Reformation weekend. So, all right. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. We'll, uh, We'll look forward to doing this again. Thanks for listening in today on all these great conversations. We'd love to hear from you as we continue this journey together. If you could rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, that would help us out and help others find us. And if there's a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know you can email us at media at stmatthewgr.com. Thanks for listening and keep following Jesus together as we become everyday disciples.